Good morning. Welcome to Pay It Forward's Help Yourself by Helping Others podcast. Today, we are going to talk about urban beautification. Pay It Forward has an urban beautification program. And today, we're going to talk specifically about Baltimore. My name is Sherry. I will be your moderator. And we are joined by Alan and Mitchell. Morning. Morning. So uh, we should begin by talking about ourselves, only because uh, we may have new listeners today who may not be familiar with Pay It Forward. So uh, we would like to tell you a little bit about ourselves. Alan, do you want to begin? Yeah, Pay It Forward uh, is set up maybe less than 10 years ago, maybe between five, 10 years ago. Our mission is to use our technology uh, platform and try to connect uh, as many people around the world as possible that uh, try to uh, collaborate ideas using technology you know, to help a variety of uh, issues that other entities like the government or for-profit companies are not able to uh, do on their own. Mm-hmm. Mitchell, would you like to add to that? Yeah, of course. Um, all, all three of us, we have a background in the print industry. So, you know, over the years, we've all had customers that were nonprofit organizations, um, private contractors and, and government agencies. So we've got to see the ins and outs of how that works. And I think we, we took the opportunity to um, participate in a way to where most people who don't experience the infrastructure of it um, could ever do so. Right. Uh, And as Alan mentioned, uh, we started Pay It Forward back in 2013. We are a 501c3 nonprofit, and we are registered in uh, several states across the country. And I love the quote that is shown on the slide. uh, Community is much more than belonging to something. It's about doing something together that makes belonging matter. And that is our objective, to identify challenges and implement ideas. Uh, Our focus uh, is on environmental and personal wellness. We wanna build strong families and communities. And we wanna address some really difficult challenges and employ sustainable solutions. So they have long-term success, not just short-term success. So um, going further, uh, here is some of the ideas that Pay It Forward has been addressing or uh, has programs for. Alan, do you wanna talk about some of those? Sure, yeah, basically um, what we have done and will continue to do uh, educational, uh, fulfilling, and life-saving programs, and then try to connect a variety of resources and provide the platform where people can help each other. So basically, we have uh, started uh, to talk about multiple programs, like urban beautification program, plastic recycling initiative, education, just like skill forums, uh, sustainable fish uh, making USA and gasification and and other programs that we have started 
and you are welcome to look at our website and we'll constantly update as uh, in new information arrive or new programs uh, make sense for us to pursue. Yes, and I think, uh, you know, we've done pop-up events uh, to connect with people all over the country. And Mitchell, you were a big part of the pop-up events. Um, what were those like? Yeah, the pop-up events, they were great. Be able to go out and meet people in, in different communities and talk about the, the challenges and stuff that they have there. Um, but I think it tied together the fact that we did travel to a lot of different communities and we did, you know, observe a lot of the problems thing, and things going on around in the country. Um, this what led to the solutions that we have to where, you know, we're looking at things from a perspective of this is the probably the best that we can do for things that we can solve um, that are sustainable, that are scalable, and it could actually work um, and comparable to ideas that may have no ending. Right. Okay, well, I think we've given an overview of Pay It Forward. And, and as Alan mentioned, uh, we do have a website and some other platforms. And I'll give you those links at the end of our uh, presentation. Uh, but now we will move on to our topic for today, which is urban beautification. And we'll begin by just giving a brief overview of what urban uh, beautification is. Um, Alan, do you want to give us a general uh description of urban beautification what does that mean sure yeah basically uh i travel uh throughout the country or maybe some other part of the world and unfortunately it's much easier for a big developer to start a new subdivision in the suburbs in downtown or urban area around the major cities um there's some challenges there are some like for example, in Baltimore or maybe some other cities, big cities in Wisconsin or Illinois, for example, when I go there, you can just see many abandoned uh, houses or buildings in, you know, in a very busy area and it's not good for the people that live there. So if you have like a hundred homes, maybe only 20 people live, the other 80 are abandoned or broken glass or trash or just uh, maybe a lot of so rats not that good but unfortunately uh if nobody do anything then it would just stay there forever and the reason is um these are all owned individually either by a bank but unfortunately it's not one bank that own all the 80 abandoned homes is Maybe that maybe 20 banks that collectively own several of them. And some of this may be owned by the tax authorities because obviously when it's abandoned, people are not paying property tax. And some of it could be still owned by maybe heirs or people that died or whatever reason. So unless um, pay it forward, do something or educate or let people know that this is the situation. The solution actually is maybe very simple and we will talk about this as we go along. So we just have to let people go there or we can maybe take some clips next time when we travel. But you can probably see this on news uh, or you can use Google Map, just drive around certain area virtually using Google Map and, and you see what we are talking about. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. The act of urban beautification itself is all about improving the visual pill and aesthetic quality of urban areas. Um, it involves strategies and interventions aimed at enhancing the physical environment, creating more attractive, welcome, welcoming functional spaces. Uh, this can be things like green spaces and parks. Um, it could be like public art and murals, um, different streetscape improvements like sidewalks and landscaping. Um, there's lots of different ways to improve it other than just putting back another building. Um, Yes. So uh, as we were saying, uh, the general description of urban beautification is taking something or an area that has distressed and creating a space that is more visually appealing, safer. So that is the general description of urban beautification. And as Mitchell was just saying, there are many ways uh, to do that such as landscaping and green spaces, street furniture and lighting, uh, public art, um, facade improvement, infrastructure enhancement, and graffiti and litter control. Uh, and so to summarize, we will say uh, that it is an improvement of an area that needs beautification that is currently distressed. So, Alan, why is urban beautification needed? I mean, why is it important? I mean, we understand now what it is, but why is it important? Why is it needed? Well, unfortunately, um, there are still a lot of people, especially kids that live in urban areas because they have no choice because their parents live there for generations. So they, they are born there and they go to school there and so forth. So every day when they walk around going to school or shopping, they see these distressed buildings, you know, full of trash and just not very um, good looking. So uh, unfortunately, there's not much they can do because one bank may be owned by Bank of America, another one may be owned by Wells Fargo, a third one may be owned by the city. And unfortunately, from an economic standpoint, nobody wants to do anything. Because if you do, uh, let's say, if the house is only worth, let's say, $100,000 or $300,000 when it's done, but it might cost $1 million to build. So nobody's going to, the in, normal investors are not interested in doing anything. Mm -hmm. But with pay it forward, what we can do is we can look at case by case, and then the minimum is to demolish you know uh, some ugly building that are not safe or full of trash okay um, and we'll, we'll discuss that a little bit um but first uh mitchell do you want to uh let us know some of the reasons that it's needed yeah you know i, I think it really rotates like alan said about the decreased property value um this means that it, like you said people are less likely to invest in the area which means that there's less jobs in the air and it creates a cycle of poverty. Um, mm -hmm. So we're just changing that one thing, that one, if, if you take an area that where majority of properties is surrounded by vacant buildings and you turn that to a park or bring those buildings back to life, the property value increases and you have people willing to invest in the area, willing to open up stores and bring it back to life. So um, it's just a simple solution for a very complex problem. Right, so as the, you know, 
slide we're looking at shows is aesthetic appeal, quality of life, and economic development. And there are other reasons. Um, Alan, do you want to address some of these other reasons why it's important uh, for beautification to take place in these urban areas? Sure. Yeah, basically, and nobody wants to live with um, very distressed situation next or, or maybe on the same block that you, you live in that you uh, look at every single day. So it's a man, the mental state if mm -hmm. you look out as full of trash and you know very, very ugly situation then it just don't uh it's not good for your for your mind or your thinking and then another one is probably uh bacteria so if there are a lot of trash a lot of um uh unwanted who, who knows what is inside this building um so it will decay it will cause a lot of insects and you know or, and sometimes other contractors an ethic contractor will maybe dump certain toxic stuff inside and they'll create a cycle of you know toxic fumes and so forth mm -hmm. um, yeah, i think you're right there are uh, a lot of times those areas do become dump stations uh, for trash and unwanted materials and you're right some of them are probably hazardous or toxic uh, what are some other reasons, uh, Mitchell? Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems we have here is it's a haven for crime. Um, mm -hmm. And it, it, you know, it, it makes the surrounding areas unsafe when you have that much crime concentrated in these dead zones, so to speak, where they're kind of unpoliced and there's you no know, activity but crime activity. Um, on top of that, in these same neighborhoods, they're, you know, they're historic. You know, Baltimore was part an important city of the American Revolution. Uh, we have a lot of African American history there. There's a lot of um, famous Americans that come from that city, and to preserve that history properly, we should clean up the area where it, where the history is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, as we touched on, social co cohesion is important. Um, you know, giving a sense of community, um, environmental benefits for sure. Uh, to get you know, clean up those spaces, safety and security, as Alan mentioned, especially for our young people uh, who have to go to school and want to be able to play outside. And as Mitchell mentioned, the preservation of the heritage of the city in which um, these buildings are deteriorating and we can, you know, improve the quality of the life of the people living in those areas. So moving on, um, I just want to give a quick Quick, quick, quick summary of the benefits of urban beautification that we just talked about. So it, it can enhance quality of life. It can attract tourists and investment, foster community pride, promote physical and mental well-being, contribute to environmental sustainability. And studies have shown that aesthetically pleasing urban environments can increase social interaction, reduce crime, and improve economic vitality. And it's uh, interesting, the picture that's shown here uh, was submitted by Alan. Um, uh, this is uh, uh, a vacant area a lot that was turned into a community garden. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, Alan? Sure. Yeah, I ran across this maybe a couple of years ago uh, in California. And this is an interesting um, uh, sighting because normally you don't see this 
So there was probably like a nonprofit or a group of people that formed this. And this is in the middle of uh, downtown Haywood area. And it's a vacant lot. And instead of filling with trash and all that now, uh, everybody is welcome to go in and enjoy nature. Uh, they encourage you to plan something and just sit and relax. So th this is a, we can probably use this model for other cities in Illinois, in Wisconsin, uh, Maryland, and throughout the country. Yes. And with the fruit trees, uh, I imagine you can pick fruit. <laughs> you don't get to do that too often in the middle of a city. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, a, it's uh, especially young babies or kids, you know, they if they live in downtown, they probably never see a farm. But this is not like a commercial farm. Mm -hmm. So other community members are, you know, kind enough to plant fruit trees. So when the fruits are available, imagine you can bring your five-year-old, ten-year-old. They can appreciate nature. They can get some fresh fruit. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, you know, I've lived in. Um, more country areas where we've had you pick them farms, but like I said, you don't get to see that too often in an urban area. So that's fantastic. <laughs> and for the well-being of, of people and nature, it's good to have in the green. It's good having green space in the urban areas. Yes. Um, it's been a much bigger movement over the last 20, 30 years with them even planting trees, which wasn't there at one point in time. So now you're having parks and you're having more community gardens and things like that. Um, which is definitely benefiting the, the social aspect of the city and, and is helping with the property value. Absolutely. Okay, so now we are moving on and we're gonna answer, why did we pick Baltimore? Um, Baltimore is a beautiful city, but it's not without its problems, uh, that's for sure. So Alan, why did we select Baltimore? Uh, to discuss in this urban beautification presentation and program? Well, uh, I'm sure there are many other cities around the country that deserve uh, our help. But one reason why we picked Baltimore is uh, for many years, uh, I traveled to the Washington DC area because of printing. So I uh, venture out in different areas. And Baltimore um, is one of the areas that I really want to help because um, without our involvement, it'll probably be like the 10, 20, 30 years from now. Um, I think if I study history, Baltimore historically uh, is home to many uh, blue collar, high paying union workers around the area. But now with robots, with you know, all the technology, um, this uh, area cannot support, you know, high-paying union jobs for factories in, in the D.C. area. So, unfortunately, the area has been built around that. And as people died or people move out, then the building, building set vacant. And the tax authorities might repossess it, but then they don't know what to do. And if people don't pay the mortgage, the bank repossess it. But again, the banks cannot do much because they might have title to one distressed building. Um, so again, uh, many cities around the country deserve our help. 
but Baltimore is something that I can do much quicker because um, also Mitchell lives in Virginia, which is maybe a couple of hours away. Yeah. So he can probably uh, use his connections with his construction friends or you know whatever connections. And we can do this a lot more quicker than if we pick Wisconsin or Chicago or San Francisco or whatever. Yeah, I think we all have somewhat of a tie. Uh, well, I lived in Maryland for 20 plus years and um, I made a lot of deliveries uh, to Baltimore. I mean, it had some amazing, amazing architecture uh, in Baltimore and wonderful people. So, um, and visited there as a tourist as well. And it, yeah, it's well-deserving. And I think because of our all of our connections. Uh, that's why we decided to focus on Baltimore today. So what are some of the struggles, Mitchell, that you know Baltimore is experiencing with this housing issue? Well, you know, it goes back to the 1950s. Um, that's when the population in Baltimore started to decline. Um, at that point, there were almost a million people there. Now there's half that. Mm. Um, leaving nearly, what's this here, 16,000 vacant properties. Um, and one of the main reasons that happened is because of the big manufacturers, um, the car plants, the steel industry, um, the shipping industry, they all left the area around the same time. Um, so that kind of abandonment of the city where it was created for a particular industry and evaporated, you leave these empty buildings, which in turn create these other problems. Hmm. Um, it's something where the other campaign of do you try to get another half million people to move to Baltimore and rebuild the city, or do you just transform it to something that's sustainable? Um, I think the city has been more sustainable at a smaller population, but the extra properties needed to be transformed into something where it doesn't hurt the value of the people there, um, mm -hmm. give them better quality of life. Right. So, as you mentioned, yeah, there. Baltimore has said there's over 16,000 vacant and abandoned buildings. Um, there make the neighborhoods unattractive and unsafe. And Alice Allen mentioned rodent problems, you know, drug dealers, you know, it's negative impact on uh, the families who are living there uh, currently. So we uh, at Pay It Forward um, have some solutions. So, Alan, do you want to uh, give us an overview of what uh, the solutions are that we want to implement in Baltimore? Sure. Uh, basically, uh, this is something that Pay It Forward is uniquely qualified to do because uh, even if somebody write a check for $1 billion, it's not going to do uh, a, a huge impact because they have to negotiate with each owner of the abandoned building could be one bank, two banks, 10 banks. And then there might be some other individuals that are holding out. Maybe their grandfather died and then they want to hold on to it you know, for whatever uh, situation. But pay forward uh, being a nonprofit, we can approach uh, banks that are holding title to you know, one building, two building, and maybe talk to some um, or recruit volunteers so we can communicate with uh, the neighbors, with the people who are holding out. Then we can customize um, each situation. Maybe this building, we have 
a certain solution, and the second building we have another solution. So, but if we do this, then the word will get out, and hopefully we can recruit several hundred other pay it forward volunteers or members. Now we can scale this, uh, but the purpose is not about making money like a big company. If you're a big company, they have to make money, otherwise they cannot survive. But for us, this is not a profit uh, situation for us. We just want to let the world know that we have a certain unique situation or uh, solution to this problem. And collectively with all the future members, then we can make a difference and make people's life better and also make the volunteers um, feel that they can help uh, even with money or no money or even ideas or, and just uh, spread the word. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's uh, Pay It Forward as a nonprofit is uniquely qualified to do this in a way that doesn't require profit making, relies on volunteers, relies on goodwill and involves a lot of people to make this happen. Um, Mitchell, do you want to elaborate on Pay It Forward solutions? Yeah, because it's not just about Pay It Forward. I think it's about partnerships. Mm-hmm. Um, along with our volunteers, Baltimore itself wants to see change. The city have established certain programs to help people get started with the vacants to value programs and urban renewal projects. Um, they even have a lean bank authority to help us purchase these houses. But if we, we as people don't participate, then what the government lays out for us to do will never work. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it. Um, we are uniquely qualified in that regard. Uh, to reduce uh, the number of properties, uh, replace them with public spaces, and make them more attractive and safe. So uh, moving forward, um, specifically, this is the process we've kind of outlined. Um, It's just an overview, a summary of how the Baltimore Beautification Project would work. Uh, Alan, do you want to walk us through the process of how we would uh, you know, implement the program? Sure. Basically, um, we have been uh, in the printing industry for many years. Uh, we are, we are uh, understanding how to research and identify um, situations. So in this case, depends on how many volunteers and how much money we raise. Then we will pick at least the first project by researching public records, you know, find out or, or actually drive there, take a look and see what are the options. And then we just contact the bank or contact the tax authority, whoever own or hold title to that uh, broken building, and then come up with uh, suggestions how pay forward can purchase from them, get it off the hands, and then go through the necessary permitting process, uh, fencing, demoing, and then transform it to whatever makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then after that's work, then we can have ceremony, we can have social media post, then we'll get more volunteers, more donations, and then right. we can move on to maybe the next five. And then after the next five houses, uh, 
transform, then we can do another 10 and so forth. So that's, that's our dream. That sounds wonderful. I'm excited. I'm ready to start. <laughs> so Mitchell, um, we talk about, you know, demolishing, you know, uh, these properties and then creating uh, public spaces to benefit the neighbors and the community. Uh, what, what types of public spaces are we thinking about? You know, you know, looking at situation by situation, um, but adding the green space back into the city, because, you know, like I said earlier, this, this was stuff built um, for companies that are not there anymore. Mm -hmm. so, so it's not like it needs to be replaced with anything else. Um, so just tearing it down and giving it back to nature, well, I hopefully will increase the property value for some of the commercial properties and other buildings that are not quite ready to be torn down. They can be rebuilt and rehabilitated, um, and the city can continue to grow. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very pro on, on doing the green spaces, but if there's a situation where it costs something different, that's why we have to go see in person, I think, and judge it case by case. Absolutely. But I, I love the idea of a green space. I think it gives the community a sense, a sanctuary, if you will, a peaceful place to go, um, uh, be outdoors, encourage kids to be outdoors. So some of the things we were thinking about was just a, a forest with trees and paths, walking paths, or perhaps a park with a gazebo or a playground, um, public art, um, such as a sculpture a garden like the one that Alan saw in Hayward, California, or just a meditation space. Or I think Mitchell, you had mentioned, you know, in certain situations where it's just a small lot that maybe is surrounded by other buildings, a wildflower garden that doesn't require, you know, a lot of maintenance. Um, and of course, in those spaces, we would wanna have lighting and probably cameras uh, for security and, you know, a way for people to dispose of trash uh, responsibly. So it could be a really wonderful green space uh, and really make a difference in the community. Yeah, so, it could be rose garden. Mm -hmm. We can probably copy rose gardens around the world and then collect seeds. That might be beautiful. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Pete, there are a lot of seed exchange programs. So that, yeah, that would be, that would be very exciting also for our, gardening aficionados. <laughs> okay, so moving on. Um, this is just an overview, an estimate, and try to give uh, our the listeners an idea of how the money would be used that is uh, raised. Uh, so, Alan, do you want to address the costs uh, that we've outlined here? Sure. Uh, basically, I've looked at uh, other programs that are gov strictly government authorized. Uh, I think I look at uh, a grant, uh, I think probably in Wisconsin or one of those um, big cities. And I think one of the older news was that they tried to raise or, or pass the councilman pass a certain budget, you know, to tear down houses similar to this in the big city in Wisconsin. And I think I divide the number of millions of dollars that they passed by the number of homes that they tried to purchase and demo. It was about $75,000. That, that's probably like five, six years ago. So yeah. given inflation, it might be 100,000 or more. Now, the city over there, they are strictly open for bids for uh, contractors that are you know, fully 
uh, profit motivated. Mm. That's why it's hundred thousand dollars. But with pay forward being lean, and also we are not looking to make money. So my goal is to get volunteers, but still we there's some cash needed. We can the, all all the volunteers with two hands or trucks cannot do it without cash. So I think fifty thousand is quite reasonable if mm -hmm. pay forward is managing this. Mm -hmm. Right. This will cover the title cost because uh, when you take over from a bank or from whatever, there's some escrow involved, so there's some fees involved, and then we have to buy insurance. We have to, you know, do all the other things that only cash would do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I think we the slide speaks for itself. But yes, there are definitely costs involved that even with volunteers and, um, you know, we will definitely need to have money <laughs> in order to bring this uh, to fruition. Yeah. Um, and even though it's a cost, you know, there there's also um, a savings where, you know, hopefully you will cut back on some crime, you increase mm -hmm. property's value, you get other people to come invest in the communities, other companies, other businesses. Um, so if it's all about social effort, you know, we, we could end up on top. Yes, mm -hmm. there will be rewards in many ways uh, by, by completing these projects. Okay, and then moving on, uh, Mitchell, do you want to... Uh, tell people how we can uh, they can help us bring the Baltimore Urban Beautification Project to fruition? Sure. You know, as a nonprofit, um, we're, you know, we'll be hosting, you know, future annual fundraisers. Um, there'll be opportunities to purchase things like naming a bench or a plaque after yourself or a loved one. Um, we, we had an idea of planting a tree as a name monument so that we can almost have a forest in Baltimore and each tree individually sponsored. Um, Alan, we also discussed having bricks um, where you can have those also engraved. Uh, the pop-up events that we do um, can be used to raise money for this issue as well, um, as well as, as direct sponsorships, working with corporates and getting government grants and such um, to move forward. Absolutely. Yeah, I love all those ideas, and they and they. I've seen it in other uh, areas. I mean, that's what some of these pictures are from. Uh, for instance, that's a picture I took of a bench uh, that is uh, was purchased by uh, close friends of mine in commemoration of uh, their brother who had passed away, and it's at his favorite place, <laughs> the shore in New Jersey, <laughs> and I see it even uh, in public uh, places like. Um, we have some wetlands here where people can go bird watching and things like that. And there are plaques throughout the boardwalk um, in commemoration, you know, to honor people, especially people who loved attending that place. So, yeah, I think those are all great ideas. And I know I, that would be something that would interest me. And then on a bigger scale, yes, we will have fundraisers and events and things like that to generate support. So uh, there are things that people can do right now <laughs> to help us. And Alan, do you want to share those? Okay. Uh, basically, um, if you want to help us financially, it's pretty simple. Uh, you just go to our Patreon page, which we'll show uh, in the next few slides. And also you can connect us uh, through our website, uh, Facebook, and also 
feel free to listen to our weekly podcast. And there's some past episodes that you can search or, or go through our link and then you can find out our other programs. So we are not just about Baltimore. We have other ideas and programs that if you are interested, you can feel free to participate or, or be part of everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And speaking of links and social platforms, <laughs> uh, that here is the link to Patreon. Um, and there are different tiers of support that are available. Uh, we also would love if you'd follow us on Facebook and give us a like and give us some comments. And uh, of course, the podcasts uh, that we have been doing, they're available on YouTube, Spotify, and Google. And you can just learn more about us on our uh, website, which is shown here. Um, Mitchell, do you have anything else to uh, share with us in, uh, before we end our podcast today? Yeah, I think if people follow us, you know, um, and they, they see some of our online events and some of our events um, that we have actually um, in public, that they can participate in those as well. So we'll be um, communicating those. So just follow us anywhere you can and get their information. Absolutely. Well, I think that concludes our podcast for today. Um, Mitchell, Alan, thank you as always for your great insights. And uh, until next time, keep paying it forward and we'll see you then. Bye-bye.